Well, we're going to continue today with the um, in this series, uh, calling it Proclaimer. We're actually going back through, um, we're starting in Acts, we actually started in Acts, and we're kind of hitting uh, main things that the church proclaimed. You know, the church was actually born, obviously, um, after Jesus, you know, died on the cross and arose again, and and then basically, uh, after in, in Acts, the second chapter there, where the Holy Spirit comes and and empowers the disciples, and during that era, right then, that was when actually God um, God began the the whole church of gathering people, and the disciples began to preach and to proclaim uh, different things that were very um, they were just very very uh, impacting to the world that they lived in. I'm trying to get my stuff going on here real quick. Excuse me one second. Um, I thought I'd hear. Okay, well, we're going to actually be looking at uh, Acts chapter 10, and I'm not going to, I'm going to kind of maybe tell the story, talk through this story just a little bit, and um, this is basically the place where um, an angel appears to Cornelius, who was a centurion. He was a uh, uh, a Roman guard, a Roman soldier, and uh, he was actually in charge of men, lots of men, hundreds of men in his career, and I'm sure he was because he wouldn't be where he was if he if he had just kind of shown up the day before. And then uh, about Peter, how Peter, the Lord speaks to both Cornelius and Peter, and I don't want to hit all this real quick because I want to take a little bit of time and develop it, but uh, here here's the number one uh, point or the crux of this whole message today. And let me just say it this way. The gospel is for everyone, everywhere. You think about the people in your life that you know, or maybe they're not in your life, people that you're familiar with. Maybe the people who are, um, maybe they have absolutely no regard for God. Maybe they're the biggest um, in your opinion, or in my opinion, our opinion, maybe they're the b- biggest resistant uh, uh, personalities you've ever come across. That it's like they they don't like God, they don't want God, they don't believe in God, and if God exists, I don't care. And they they just live. And, and I'm talking about people that just literally uh, are verbal about that. But then there's the people that that don't even acknowledge anything, and they live a life that is just the worst of the worst of the worst. In our opinion, think about that. Oh, you know, God loves them. And if we were to stand here today and begin to maybe point out some people in our world today that maybe have done horrible, atrocious things, we might go, well, how could God love them? I assure you he does. He loves them. He loves the worst of the worst of the worst. And how, you know how I know that? Because he loved me, you know? He loves me. He knows everything about me, and he absolutely loves me. And so, you know, the gospel is for everyone, everywhere. And of course, let me just kind of go through a little bit of backstory here. And I kind of broke this down. I'm not going to read all of this, but I'm just, I mean, I'm going to read all the verses, but I'm just going to kind of tell the story quickly. Okay, at Caesarea, a guy named Cornelius, a Roman centurion, sees a vision. And Cornelius, let me give you a little background on Cornelius. Cornelius and his family were very devout. They were very, uh, they just, they wanted to do right. And uh, it says that they were God-fearing people. Uh, now, they weren't Christians, and they weren't Jews. They just knew in their heart that, that there's a God out there. There's got to be. I mean, you look around, and you don't see everything that we see and, and have the ability to do the things that we have, and there not be a God. 
they were very devout and, and they, they feared God. They feared God. Uh, as, and then, of course, uh, he was a generous, he was generous to the poor, faithful in prayer to God. Uh, one, at one o'clock, uh, every day he would pray. And one day he has a vision. Cornelius has a vision. Now you can take time to go back and read this on your own. And I would ex- encourage you to do it. It's Acts 10. And so he has this vision because this was his, his routine. He prayed every single day. At three, at three in the afternoon, he would go wherever it was, find his prayer closet or whatever, maybe gather his family. I don't know how it was, but it was what he did. Every single day he prayed. And the thing was, he wasn't, he wasn't praying as, like I said earlier, as a Christian or as a Jew. He was just praying as a person that wanted to honor God. He wanted to know God. He wanted, he just knew that there had to be more. And so he would gather uh, either by himself or get other people around him, and he would pray. And then an angel shows up. He has this vision, and an angel shows up to him, and he says, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Man, two things. Number one, um, that's awesome that God had been noticing and seeing. But the other thing is, is that an angel shows up. I mean, I don't know. I don't think I would have probably, I think probably even himself, he was probably a little bit terrified, a little bit like, wow, what the heck's going on here? I mean, so anyways, this angel shows up and he tells him, your prayers and your gifts have come up before the Lord. And uh, he says that he is instructed. um, He was instructed. Okay, he was instructed to send men to Joppa uh, to bring back a guy named Peter. He doesn't even know who Peter is. But the angel says, I want you to send some of your servants down to Joppa. And uh, Peter is living at a place. As he told him where he was. Didn't tell him anything other than send for him and have him come here. Okay. And so then, and of course, I'm not reading verse for verse. I'm just kind of going through this. Uh, about verse 9, the next day, about noon, Cornelius' men who had left, they show up at in the, in the city of, of Joppa and they're getting directions, they're finding where Peter is, so they, they show up. Now, what happened? Where was Peter? Peter, earlier that day, had uh, he got hungry, and he was ready to eat, but, of course, the dinner wasn't, lunch or whatever wasn't ready, and so he went up on the roof to pray. I heard somebody say one day that he might have been a little hangry uh, because of what happened. He was hungry, but I'm going to go pray. So he goes up on the roof, and he begins to pray, and the Lord lets down a sheet or a tablecloth or something. I don't know what it was, but he lets down, the Bible says some kind of a sheet, and it had all kinds of animals, unclean animals, things that Peter and the Jews would never eat. They wouldn't eat, like, you know what? That can't even be in my house. I shouldn't even be looking at this, you know? They were that committed. That's what the way the Jews were. They were so committed to the legalistic aspect of their their faith or their their religion. We wouldn't do that. I would never do that. And so he lets it down. The, the, it comes down before Peter as he's praying. He sees this vision. It says it's in one translation, it was in a trance. And uh, Peter looks at it and he goes, oh my gosh. Uh, you know, he pulls it back up. And the Lord says, rise up, kill any. Go ahead and butcher this and man, have a barbecue. And Peter says, I've never eaten that. Ever, never, ever, ever, never eaten that. Did I hear? Never, Lord. I've never eaten that. And I'm not starting now. I would not eat that on a bet. There's no way. It's not on my diet. It's not on my menu. I wouldn't do that. That would, he didn't say, I'm just saying this was as, it wasn't like, oh, no way. I believe it was like borderline offensive, maybe even. Borderline offensive, if not across the line offensive. And so it happens two more times. 
And then the, Lord, the angel of the Lord speaks to him. And the last thing he says is, do not call unclean what I have called clean. Now, was it about food? I believe it was to a degree. But it was really mainly about other people. It was about other people because the same commitment and the same dedication or whatever you want to call it, the same uh, passion that the Jewish people had at that point in their life was that we don't mix, we don't entertain, we don't hang, we don't talk, we don't invite Gentiles into our houses, into our world. Kind of like the implications that we're seeing in our world today. Everything's racist. Well, let me tell you right now. This was massively racist, what he was doing, uh, what, what, the way the Jews lived. Now, here's the thing. I can't go back and say, well, they were doing what the Lord wanted them to do. I don't know. All I know is on this day, the Lord said, we're going to close the gap. We're going to open the door. We're going to make a way for all those people in Yuma, Arizona, because unless you're Jewish, you came from this place. Unless you were born and raised a Jew and somehow heard the gospel through whatever, uh, and probably even at this point, they got to hear the gospel the same way, not probably, definitely. But the, the reason the rest of the world had the gospel opened up to them was because of what happened this day when the angel came and spoke to Cornelius and then the angel spoke to Peter. They didn't even know each other. And so as Peter is there and he says, I am not going to eat this. And the, and the Lord finally says, the angel of the Lord says, do not call unclean what I have called clean and then it's like after he says that I'm sure it was probably like what does that mean and then he hears a knock at the door downstairs because he's on the roof and he goes down and obviously there's these Gentiles there which is here's the thing the Gentiles might have knocked on the door and taken some steps back before but now they're knocking on the door and they're standing there and Peter says come in he invites them in because he knows, he understands what this is all about. Why am I telling you this story today? Because, and I'm going to get, get on with it here in just a second. Because we look at other people sometimes like, oh, they're drug, they're drug users. Oh, they're Muslims. Oh, they're this, they're that. Oh, you, do you know what they've done? Oh, do you know? Can we be the same way as the Jews were at that time, as, as these people were at that time, looking at other people like they are less than? Sure we can. And we might even justify it by saying, well, you know what? They had a chance. They still have a chance, but you know what? They're on their own now. I believe that God wants us to be the voice of good news to every person in our world. It doesn't mean we, we, we take them on to raise, but it means we give them the message. We tell them the message about Christ because that's really the whole reason for Jesus coming, that it's good news. And so this is like a turning point in, in the book of Acts. This is a turning point in the church. Up to this point, the only people who were actually in the church were Jews were people that had that had uh, converted or had found Christ as a as a uh, Jew, and they had come to Christ. So this is a key, massive turning point. And so they come in, they have a talk, and Peter, uh, you know, just basically they do whatever. They overnight there. It says the next day Peter starts out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. And uh, follow, the following day, they found themselves in Caesarea where Cornelius was 
They're waiting. He'd send his men down. And I love this. Let me pick this up here in verse 25. I'm kind of putting this together. I'm not doing every line or every word of this. But as, as Peter entered Cornelius' house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. He didn't know. He had no idea. He had absolutely no idea uh, who, who uh, uh, Peter was. All he knew was he had did done what the Lord asked him to do, and now here he is standing in his house. And so he, he falls at his feet in reverence, and Peter says, Stand up, man. Dude, I'm just like you. And let me say this. A, 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 in this day and age, a Jew that would tell a Gentile, I'm just like you, is like, wait, wait, let me slap myself. Did I just say that out loud? We might look at other people that maybe live lifestyles. They've done things that maybe we would never do. And you know what? When we talk to them, would we ever say to them, I look, dude, I'm just like you. You might go, well, well, we might be flesh and blood like you, but I would never be like you. Do we do that? I was at the jail years ago when we first started going down to the jail. And this was actually in the old jail where it looked like a cave. You remember that one down there? It looked like a cave. You'd go in. And uh, anyway, I'd gone in. And I mean, I was, this, I was young. And I was like, I didn't know nothing about anything. I just knew I loved Jesus. And I wanted to tell people about Christ. And so I went in. We had to go cell to cell at that point. And so, I mean, at that particular, on that particular season. So I remember, remember I went in. And there was, they took me back to a certain cell. And there was, I don't know if you all remember, but back years, years ago, 25, 30 years, probably longer than that, out in Ehrenberg, there was a horrible shooting, and they they killed a a, a, a person running the uh, little store out there, and and they ran, and they caught these boys, and they're in jail. There's two of them, and so they you know they locked them up, and they're getting ready, and so I'm there, and I just said, well, could I go back and talk? And they said, sure. And they said, when you get ready to go back into that area, you need to you need to come and get me, and we'll we'll let you back there. And I'm thinking. Do I want to go back to that area? You know? So anyway, long and the short, I went in and went back to that back area. They took me back there. And I didn't know this guy from anybody, obviously, and he didn't know me. But I'm standing there talking to him, and I'm just fumbling for words because I'm trying to figure out what's going on. I had read about this situation. But so I'm trying to find words, and I... So as I'm talking to him about Christ and I'm talking to this one guy about, about, you know, what's going on. And I, and I remember I told him, I said, look, I am just like you. And he said, really? Because if you're just like me, how come I'm in here and you're out there? He says, so you're telling me you deserve to be in something. And oh, wait a minute, let me, let me back up, back up, back up. We may feel like that we've done it. We may not have done everything that everybody's ever done, but here's the thing. God doesn't, God judges us according to our heart. He judges us according to our heart. And so anyway, I'm going to leave that story alone because I quickly got out of there, you know, because I didn't have anything else to say other than I gave him the gospel. I prayed for him and, and all. But so here's Peter, and he's there, and, and Cornelius falls down. He says, man, get up. We're just alike, man. I happen to be a Jew. You happen to be a Gentile, and however the conversation goes on. But I love the next part of this. It says, well, while talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Man, they had home groups back then. That's where home groups began, literally. They met house to house. And he said, uh, you are well aware that it is against, Peter's talking, you're well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate with uh, uh, and to visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should call no one impure or unclean. See, we might not use those words today. But we use other words. 
We use other words to, to separate ourselves from other people. And listen, I'm not saying that we have to accept and, and approve of everybody's lifestyle. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying as people, I think God is saying go, telling Peter, go down there and talk to them because they are flesh and blood just like you. They have desires and, and love. They love their families just like you love your family. They've gone through things just like you do. But here's the difference. You found me, is what he's saying. Peter, I came to you. I came to you, and you're born again now. I want you to go tell others. Well, at this point, it never it wasn't going to happen. So at any rate, this is where the break happens. This is where they begin. And so Peter begins to talk. He begins to, to, to tell him uh, what's going on. Let me find myself here. Uh, so he, he basically tells him, don't call anybody unclean or unclean impure. He says, so uh, when I sent for you, this is Cornelius, when I sent for you without, let's see, so when I was sent for, this is Peter, when I was sent for, I came without any objections. May I ask what you sent for me? Why you sent for me? Oh yeah, I've got a leaky drain. Oh yeah, I've got a hole in my boat. You know, he didn't send him for him for that. You know what he sent for him for? He sent for him, he says, three days ago, he says, three days ago, I was in my house praying uh, at this hour, at three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and he said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I immediately sent for you, and it was good that you have come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. When people put, when God puts people in our lives, and I'm not, I'm not talking about just in a moment. I'm talking about people in our lives that we see on a regular basis. He's not just put you in their life just to whatever. He put you in their life to tell him, to tell them everything that God has spoken to us. I'm talking today to people from all kinds of different backgrounds. We've been through things. We've been through so many different situations. We've got situations in our life. We're not, we're not sitting here. Anyone perfect, please stand. Please don't. <laughs> but I'm just saying, anyone that's perfect, that has no problems, that's really not gone through something, that's not made some bad decisions, please just go ahead and stand up and float around the room a little bit. Nobody is in that place. No one. And so the thing is, is why would I have the right or why should God want me to tell somebody? Because I found hope. We as Christians, we as believers found hope. We found life. And this is what, what is happening right here. Peter, I saved you. I, I poured my spirit into you. I forgave you for all the things that you've done. Peter, let's talk about your life. No, let's don't, Lord. Peter had all of his own problems and all of his own issues, but God used him for what? To share the message of hope. You know what I think what happens is people want the perfect people or the people that have it all together to go share the gospel. Well, I want you to know nobody's ever going to go share it then because no one's perfect. No one has everything all together. Listen, my life is better than it used to be, but I got my own issues just like everyone in this room. We all have issues. So the number one thing, if we could push everything back, all the things that are, that are on our heels trying to push us and you, you need to do this or your life isn't valuable. You need to do this or your life doesn't count. We need to push all that stuff back and say, here's the number one thing that God wants us to do. He wants us to share the hope that we have. But not just with those that we deem acceptable. He wants us to share the hope, share this, this thing in our heart with every single person that we possibly can. 
Well, we're leaving that to the preachers. We're leaving that to the evangelists, right? We're leaving that to those that have, that, 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 that are not afraid to talk to people. You know, how many of you go, I don't know, everybody eventually goes to see a doctor, you go see somebody, and you gotta talk to them. Oh, it's hard for me to talk to people. You ever been to a doctor and you go in and you sit down and he says, what can I help you with? You know, you need to tell them. And we do that. We have the ability to communicate. But when it comes to Christ, so many times what happens is we clam up. Is it because we're going to be offended or we're going to offend somebody? Is it because they're going to reject us? Yes to probably all that stuff. That's what causes us to clam up. But here's the deal. The message that the church was given was not just for our friends, not just for our families, not just for those that like us, not just for those that we know, oh, we can go there, they'll listen to us. It's for everyone. And we sometimes have to take a risk. And that's what Peter was doing here. Because, you know, as as Peter is, is standing there in the home, first of all, he had a Gentile in his home. And now he's standing in the home of a Gentile, somebody from another uh, ethnic group. And so this is what he says. He says, um, uh, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Every person in this room, I want you to know, you are the apple of God's eye. Oh, well, no, I can understand Pastor Joe. I can understand Cheryl. I'm not sure about Rick. I can, the, 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 <laughs> I can understand this person or that person, but me? Yes. I have two grandkids, and, you know, they go through phases. They go through things. And right now, my granddaughter is like the sweetest thing. She just will be doing whatever, and, and she'll go, Papa, Papa. I love you, Papa. And I'm thinking, oh my, what do you want? Houses. <laughs> what do you want? Anything. And then my grandson, he'll, I'll walk in the room and he goes, ah! He's just in that phase. And you know what? It wears me out. It wears all of us out. But you know something? All I want to do is help him grow through this place. God wants us to help other people grow through where they are so that the good news, the message of Christ, can begin to change their life. But if we look at them and go, there ain't no hope for that person. There's no hope for them. Peter says here, I, I, I realize now that God is not partial. Now, Joe and I talked about this this week. And the thing is, is does God show favoritism? Does God, is God a respecter of persons? No, he's not. But he is a respecter of faith. That's the thing that gets God's attention. That's the thing that causes God. And the thing is, is you, if you start comparing yourself to other people, and maybe it's like, well, nobody in this room, but I compare myself to like people like, you know, well, Billy Graham's passed on, but I'm going to compare my life to Billy Graham. I, I will never measure up. You're not supposed to. You're just supposed to move forward. We want people around us. There might be people in your life today that you know, and maybe you've shared with them, maybe they have gone off the grid because, man, I, I, I've walked, I've tried to walk this walk. I've tried to live for Christ. I've tried to, I mean, I tried to fit. I tried to be who you wanted me to be. Here's the deal. I don't want people to be who I want them to be. I want people to be who God wants them to be. And God wants them to be free. He wants them to be fulfilled. He wants them to, to live up uh, to who he's called them to be, which means if they don't just show up and start working at it, they show up and allow him to work in them. And then they work it out. You know, the scripture in Philippians, 
And it says, work out your own salvation. Now, that's created lots of struggles for a lot of people. They say, well, see, we got to work for our salvation. No, it doesn't say work for it. It says work it out. And I've used this illustration before. My mom used to make pies and, and different things, and she would make dough. And sometimes she'd make bread. And, and I remember she would take and she would eventually she'd mix it and she'd get this dough. And then she'd take a little bit of leaven and she, or yeast. And she'd throw the yeast in there. And then she'd begin to fold it and fold it and fold it. And then I'm thinking, why don't you put it in the, in, in the, in the oven and let it cook? And she's, no, I got to work it all the way through. I got to work it out through all the dough. I want you to know today we're not working for our salvation. I am working for salvation, but not mine. I'm working for other people's salvation. I will work for others' salvation, but not for mine, because mine's being worked out in me as I walk the walk, as I love God, as I stay the course, as I do what he's created me to do. I will work for other people's salvation, but I don't work for mine. Work for them? What do you mean by that, Tom? I mean I'll work to make sure that they hear the gospel. We'll work to make sure that I, that I finance the gospel wherever it is that God tells us to, to work. Uh, work in this area. Send missionaries there. Do this. Finance the gospel in different areas. In our own city. It's easy to send money. I'm going to be honest with you. It's easy to send money. It just is. You might guess, well, it is for you. Well, we'll just send you then. It's easier to send money than it is for us to get on an airplane and go someplace and to be someplace where people haven't heard the gospel. And number one, they don't know you now. They don't know why you're there. So my, let me go back. My, my point is this. Let's don't call. Let's don't treat anybody like, you know, well, well, God doesn't love them. I heard somebody make a comment one day that, well, the Jews, the Jews are, are, are they're just lost. They can never be. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Not because they're the Jews. It's because they're human beings. They're flesh and blood. They're people. There's not a person on this planet that God looks at and goes, oh, that's the, the less than. I read this story. Let me get to this story real quick. I read this story, but I was familiar with the situation in India. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a group of people called the Delites. It's, they're called the Untouchables. It's a caste system that... Uh, uh, in, in India, they have a they have a caste system. If you're born into a certain caste, you born, you live, and you die in that caste. And if you fall in love with someone from a different caste system that's less than yours or higher than yours, too bad. Because bottom line, they don't associate. They don't associate with other people because oh, they're lesser than. Oh, they're too high. They're high and lofty. But I, I read this story, and it was about uh, uh, what's going on. Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, I've got it here. Here it is. It says, in the last 20 years, in the last two decades, uh, we've seen a surprising number of, of, of people in India among the Indian or the delete, uh, untouchable caste, a class of people who are valued less than animals. They are converting in mass to Christ. And you know why? Because they're accepted. Because they're accepted. There are some people that probably you're wondering, why won't they get saved? Maybe because they don't feel accepted. Maybe whenever they get around people that are Christians, they're like, I'm not messing with them. I've, I've put a lot of time and energy. You know, they're, I'm done. Here's the deal. Nobody's asking you to take people on to raise unless they're your kids, and you really ought to raise them. But nobody's asking us to take on us. But you know what? If we can be that voice, that encouragement, and the thing is, is whether we like it or not, it seems like we did kind of have a caste system in every country. And the church should be the last ones to ever oh, buy into that. 
We should see every single person, the, the, the least, what, that, our, that our society would consider the least anyway, we should consider them as valuable as the people living on Snob Hill. And if you live on Snob Hill, bless your heart. I'm not knocking down. I'd like to move right next door to you. I'm just saying. God doesn't look at people in an economic situation like they're, uh, they're less than or they're better than. I think you can be blessed. You can be blessed over, just to overcoming blessed. And God loves you with everything he is. I think you can be broke and you can be broken to the point where you're thinking that there's no future. And God absolutely loves you. Every person, God loves them without, without reservation. In this particular story, let me finish this. It says that in, actually in Nepal, over the last 20 years, approximately 50,000 of these untouchables or the delete cast of people have converted from Hinduism to Christianity. You know why? It says because they feel as though somebody loves them. They're cared for. There's a hope in the future. How many times have we heard about people, they, they bury them in a pauper's grave, or they basically they live their life on nothing, they have nothing. And here's the deal. Those are hard situations to figure out, to reconcile. But one thing, i say it again, God didn't ask me to raise people. He told me to give, and you know, but sometimes he does ask me to invest in them. Sometimes he asks us to help out in whatever way we can. But he doesn't say, hey, they're on your they're on, they're on you now. You pay their bills. You take. It's not what God asks us to do. God wants us to give them the message. God does not show favoritism to skin color, to religious background. You might have been raised in a background that's different than mine. You might have been raised in a group that some people would maybe call a cult. But here's the thing. Every person has the right. Every person I'm not going to say the right. Every person should have the privilege to receive Christ, to hear the gospel, the message of Christ. So here I am talking to this church that has been doing missions for, golly, 40 years. But you know what? It's not something, I don't want it to be something we used to do. I want it to be something that we do. And missions is not just on the other side of the world. It definitely is. But it's also on the other side of the street, on the other side of the office. In, uh, in the other side of the store or the, your office, whatever it is you work. And the thing is, I believe that the message that God's given us will change people's lives. It will change people's lives, or I wouldn't be standing up here telling you that. There's a, uh, let, me, let me find this. There is a, uh, the message, uh, God doesn't show any partiality. Uh, verse 15 there of Acts chapter 10, it says, this is where the Lord tells Peter, what God has made clean, let no one declare to be unclean. And we might, like I said, we not, might not use that word, but here's the deal. We might declare them to be out of reach. or hey, that's, Somebody else can deal with that. But if God puts somebody on your heart and you don't reach to them, what does that mean? It means that we're probably considering them to be an untouchable. I can't touch them. I can't do anything. And see, I was, when I was driving home yesterday, I don't remember where I was. I was by myself. And uh, anyway, I was driving along, and I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about these, this, this scripture, these stories, this, this particular uh, scriptures that we're reading. And I just remember I told God, it's hard. 
It's just hard, Lord. It's hard. It's hard to, to feel as though, uh, you know, that the weight of, of people's eternal destiny rests on me or on us. It's hard. I don't like it. And he, I feel like this is what he told me. It's not on you. What's on us is this message. You know, all we have to be is the delivery person. I, I know that... Uh, our mailman, is Richard here this morning? No? Okay, Richard will come by. He's my mail guy. He delivers my mail. And, uh, you know, sometimes he drops off things I don't want, like bills. And so, you know, I'm thinking, dude, I want to, sometimes I stop him and I'll tease him and say, dude, I don't want any more of these. All I want is checks and and I don't want any more of this, you know, mail that's just coming, buy this, you need that, you need three of these. Anyway, here's the deal. We're messengers. We're messengers. I, and here's the deal. I don't even have to defend the message in the sense to make people receive it. But you know what? We went over this on, on Wednesday night, Joe. You know what? How can, how can people be saved if they don't hear the gospel? And how can the gospel be preached if, if nobody goes? And how can people go if we don't send them? And here's the thing, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chain reaction. It's a process. What's our role? Well, I think it's in all of those things. I think we go, I think we send, and I think we tell. And let me finish with this this morning. The gospel is for everyone, everywhere. It's for everyone, everywhere. It's not just for specific ones that are open to it it's for everyone everywhere some places are easier to share the message but that doesn't mean that we don't do whatever we can do to share that good news